God, thank you for your deep love. I pray that you would uh, show that more to us this morning, God, that we would understand it more, that we would uh, be empowered by it. I pray that you speak through Michael, you speak into our hearts, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And few remain standing. We are in the middle of a series on our statement of faith. Um, we are talking this month in November about who man is, more specifically who he was, what God has done to him, and, and now who he is because of that. So if you would repeat after me, and this morning we are going to look at that last line that we have been rescued, reconciled, and renewed. We believe that God created Adam and Eve in his image, but they sinned when tempted by Satan. In union with Adam, human beings are sinners by nature and by choice, alienated from God and under His wrath. Only through God's saving work in Jesus Christ can we be rescued, reconciled, and renewed. And you may be seated. Just a heads up of where we're going. Next week we will um, talk specifically about uh, Thanksgiving and uh, talk about a Thanksgiving message. And then we will begin uh, our season of Advent, uh, four Sundays in Advent, the last Sunday in November, and the first three in December. And during that time, we will look at our fourth statement of faith, which concerns uh, the person of Jesus Christ, an appropriate uh, place to land based on the incarnation and what God has done. While uh, if you would turn to Psalm 136 is where we're going to start, and then keep a finger in Colossians 1. We will be there in just a little bit. And then shortly after that, you can turn a page for Colossians 3, but Psalm 136. Um, let me back up and remind us where we've been. The first week we talked about um, that God created us and gave us a purpose. Being in His image, our purpose then necessarily is that we would bring life into the world and that we would bring order from chaos and all that happens through relationship both with God and with one another. And then last week there was a a long series of bad news. And even though we've been made in His image, even though that is our purpose, we are unable to fulfill that due to uh, Adam and Eve passing down their sin to us and that we are dead. And dead people don't have the ability to bring life into the world. And because really the chaos that's in the world is housed in us, not our the core of our being is chaos. We can't bring order into the world. And so we are in a dilemma. We looked very briefly in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, that phrase, but God, uh, and allowed a little bit of hope to come into a bleak picture last week. But that's where we are this morning. The fact that we were made with a purpose, that purpose has been thwarted. And so what do we do now? The good news is that God did do something. He allowed us through His Son to overcome those obstacles that were in the way. He has indeed rescued us, He has reconciled us, and He has renewed us. But I want to start, just look at Psalm 136 for a moment. It's a little odd, and I can remember a time... um, several years ago, reading through Scripture and coming to this and go, that seems like a waste of good ink. Because over and over and over and over and over again, in fact, 26 times, the psalmist repeats, for His loving kindness is everlasting. 
There's a line and then his loving kindness is everlasting. Another line for his loving kindness is everlasting. 26 times. And knowing that maybe that was carved into a piece of leather or maybe even chiseled on a stone at some point in time or that just writing material was valuable. Why did you do that? Is it that important that we get it? Over time, what I've learned is, is that, yes, we as human beings often need to have things pounded into us or we don't get it. There's a, a song called, by Cademan's Call called Free. Um, it's a, a wonderful song about, about our redemption, about our salvation. Uh, and the last three or four minutes of that song is just a repetition of um, the lines, We Are Free. I read a review um, of that album, and he was talking about how much he liked the album, except for that one song, which kind of seemed a little redundant and sort of a waste of time on, you know, the limited amount of time you have to fit stuff on a CD. Well, and I thought, but you missed the point of the song. It's this declaration of praise to, I'm free. And sometimes we need to repeat that to ourselves over and over and over and over again. Because the truth of the matter is we were not free. Our first problem is we were slaves to sin. And not the kind of slave where, and we talked about this, if, if the guard's back is turned, I can, I can slip away. There's a, a short story by Edgar Allan Poe where this guy is bound with straps, the pit and the pendulum, and, and there's a, a large blade descending closer and closer to him, and he's bound with straps. But in his ingeniousness, uh, he takes some of the, the food that's available, and this is that he's in a dungeon with rat infested, and smears some of that food all over the straps, and the, the rats eat it away, and he's able to get away just in time, and then someone comes and rescues him. So he took part in that rescue. If you're familiar with the story of Les Mis, um, one of the bad guys in the story is in prison, uh, and through uh, his ingenuity and the bumblingness of the prison guards, uh, he's able to get out of his cell, and he ends up stuck on a wall, uh, unable to get down because his, his means of escape, his rope is broken, uh, and someone comes along and rescues him, but he got three-fourths of the way out on his own. You see, our problem is is... is that we were slaves to sin and there was there, we don't have any ingenuity. We don't have anybody slipping us a, a sharp object or a tool. We don't have anybody bringing us food that we can smear over our straps and, and then hopefully the rats will lead us away. We were, as we talked about last week, dead. And dead people don't escape. Dead people don't know to escape. Dead people don't try to escape. We were indeed dead but there is a solution God has rescued us and one of the things that Psalm 136 talks about is that rescue again over and over his loving kindness is everlasting some context um, the reason his loving kindness is everlasting or the the thing that, that proves that and the psalmist talks about two things talks about one creation proves that his loving kindness is everlasting 
because a God that is sufficient and all-loving and self-contained in a loving trinity doesn't need to create, but does so out of love and care. And so the fact that He simply created, that part of Himself moved out of Himself, is a proof. But then He also recounts the, the Exodus story. Children of Israel were slaves in Egypt and had no way of removing themselves from that. And so for most of this psalm, he's recounting what happened kind of line by line and then repeating his loving kindness is everlasting. What's interesting is what Jesus did at the Last Supper is he took the Passover meal, which was the celebration of the deliverance from slavery in Egypt, and he wedded that to what he was about to do, delivering us from sin through his blood. And so whenever we on this side of the New Covenant look back at that story of, of the Passover and deliverance from Egypt, we automatically should then think, oh, that's a picture, a wonderful picture of what God has done for me in delivering me from sin. And specifically in verse 23, um, he kind of sums up uh, what he's been talking about for the last 22 verses. And he's talking about God who remembered us in our low estate. They were, they were in a, such a place that they couldn't escape that. They were slaves. They had no ability on their own to get out of that situation. If God had not intervened, they would still be in slavery. And we talked about that as well. We're in a low estate. Who may ascend to his holy hill? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Because of our sin, we're in the same place. We don't have clean hands, nor do we have a pure heart. So we also are in a lowly state. And, verse 24, He has rescued us from our adversaries. And again, we now can take this and say, He's not just talking about Egypt, He's actually talking about our slavery to sin. And that word rescue is a word that really implies violence. God had to come and forcibly take us out of some place, just like he had to go and forcibly take his people out of Egypt through plagues and ultimately the death of the firstborn. Oh, the death of the firstborn. It is only through violence, it is only through God showing up and storming the gates of hell that you and I have the ability to be rescued. He did what we couldn't do. We, we're not only were we in prison, but we're flat on our back, not conscious, not breathing, on a hard plywood bed with no hope and without God in the world. And He intervened through His Son. And so our problem was we were slaves to sin. The solution was He rescued us. And so our response to that is, verse 26, give thanks to the God of heaven. If you remember nothing else this morning, our days, our moments, our lives should be a response of thanksgiving to God for what He has done for us because He has delivered us. He has rescued us. We were in slavery, we were dead, and He's made us alive and He's made us free. And so our response is to give thanks over and over and over again for His loving kindness is everlasting for His loving kindness is everlasting we may begin to think well but I'm tired of giving thanks 
And yet that should be our daily, hourly, momentary response to the fact that we drew another breath. Are we a thankful people? But that wasn't our only problem. Because while He rescued us, I guess the question we have to ask is, what did He rescue us for? Did He drag us out of the prison only to take a switch and and lay into us because of our behavior? Is that why He rescued us? Did He rescue us to simply then send us on our way and ignore us? Why did He rescue us? Because it wasn't just that we were dead, we were also, and our second problem is, we were children of wrath, Ephesians says. Our behavior, our character, our nature at the very core was against God. And so the logical thing was, He drug us out of the pit we were in to give us a good wallop upside the head. That would seem to make sense. That would seem to be just. We've ignored Him, we've spurned Him, we've gone against the purpose that that He has created us to be. And so He rescued us. He got us out of where we were, but, but why? That's our problem. Our problem is we're children of wrath, so now what? Well, the solution was He didn't just rescue us, He reconciled us. Look at Colossians Chapter 1, beginning in verse 13, For He rescued us from the domain of darkness. Almost always when darkness shows up in the New Testament, it is associated with judgment. It is associated with God's wrath or His displeasure towards His people. Darkness is a sign of judgment. So, He rescued us not only from our death, but He rescued us from that wrath. And then skip down to verse 19. Okay, so I'm in this quasi-state, so he, he rescued me, me from judgment, but I don't know, if I'm standing in God's presence and I've just been woken up, then what should I expect? Look at verse 19. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Him, that is Christ. Okay, that we've, we've seen that before, that makes sense. And it was the Father's good pleasure that through Him to reconcile all things to Himself, having made peace through the blood of the cross. It wasn't just that He rescued us from the domain of darkness. It wasn't just that He brought us out of wrath and now we're in this neutral state. Through the violence of the cross that God had a good pleasure in, He's made peace between you and Himself. He has reconciled you. He's made all things right. Once a month, the bank statement shows up and I reconcile the bank statement. I make sure that, that what they say I have is what I say that I have. Right? You make things work out. You make things line up. That's what God has done for us. He has taken us and said, when you place your faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ... Your sin, the judgment that you deserve, the wrath that is rightly yours, is placed on Christ, and you get His righteousness. 
and then we've been reconciled. That, that is the reality. Uh, we talked in Ephesians last week. He says, and he uses past tense. But God, being rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us, past tense, alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And, past tense, raised us up with Him, and, past tense, seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This room is not the heavenly places. You are not... It doesn't look like any of you are seated in the heavenly places currently. And yet Paul writes as though that's a done deal. You were raised up. You were seated with Him in the heavenly places in Christ. Doesn't look like it. Doesn't feel like it. The truth of the matter is that we have been given peace. We are no longer children of wrath. The Bible talks about that we've been adopted into the family of the King. We've been specifically chosen. He wanted us. He went after us. I want to adopt you. You are a child of wrath, but because of what Christ did, because of what my son did, I now want to adopt you into my kingdom. So we were children of wrath. The solution is we were reconciled. The response then is, and Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians 5, is we should become ministers of reconciliation for somebody else. See, it's a, it's a weird deal. God really does it all, but He chooses to use human beings. Think about the situation with Cornelius. There's this Gentile who's favorable towards God but hasn't heard the gospel. And it would seem to make sense that God would just maybe send an angel or maybe write something in the sky, Cornelius, here's the deal, repent and trust in the death of Christ. But he goes through this long, complicated, difficult process to get Peter, a human being, a fallible human being, to show up and be a minister of reconciliation, to be a tool. God does all the work, but He uses you and I. Just like when you take your car into the shop, right? The wrench doesn't send you a bill, right? But if there is no wrench, nothing's going to get fixed, right? It's a tool that the mechanic uses to do what needs to be done. You are a tool that God uses to bring reconciliation to others. And the question is, will we choose to be ministers of reconciliation? Will we put ourselves in places where God can use us? Will we allow ourselves to be equipped so that God can use us? Will we learn His Word to know truth from falsehood so that God can use us? Will we grow in our character so that God can use us? Will we be ministers of reconciliation? But there's a third problem. While we have been rescued, we are no longer children of wrath. We've been given this glorious entry into God's kingdom. We are now adopted. We're part of His family. You and I both know that sin is still present in our lives. There is this third problem that sin has not been obliterated. The penalty of sin has been paid for. The power of sin has been done away with. But we still have... This flesh, we still have a brain that hasn't been completely renewed. 
And we develop habits and patterns and ways of living that once we become a child of the king doesn't mean that those patterns go away. In the same way that if we were adopted out of a very difficult situation into a kind and loving and wonderful family, that doesn't mean the past is simply wiped out. If we learned bad habits or bad behaviors, that doesn't change overnight just because we've been adopted into a loving family. So sin is still present. We are not what we should be. And if you wake up in the morning, it doesn't take very long for you to realize that. But there's also a solution. He has renewed us. And this one is interesting, and I want to read a, a decent amount out of chapter 3. Um, because this is the only issue where it looks like we're really involved in the process, and that's because we are. Paul writes, beginning of chapter 3, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, he's using that same language, that, that language of reconciliation, we're now in his kingdom. If you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is. There's this now and not yet. Well, if I have been raised up, why do I need to keep seeking things above if I'm already up there? Because we're still down here in one sense. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with Him in glory. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them. But now also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have laid aside the old self with its evil practices, and have put on the new self, who is being renewed to a true knowledge, according to the image of the one who created him, a renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free men, but Christ is all and in all. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, Put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks through God, through Him to God the Father. This idea of renewal, there's clearly a, a partnership going on. He has indwelt us with His Spirit, which Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, and we are being renewed day by day. Philippians again, chapter 1. Uh, he who began a good work and you will complete it. Right? He is renewing us. He is putting us in situations where we are being refined and honed and made more like Him. And in that process, we have the opportunity to participate with Him. Paul uses the idea of, of putting off and, and putting back on. The idea of, of taking off the old and putting on the new. 
some of our ancestors in the faith talked about, used the idea of mortifying the flesh, killing it. Choosing to do the hard thing to put sin behind us. Paul talks about it in Philippians as working out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's taking what God has done in here and making it apparent out here. God's in the process of renewing us. Will we take what has happened in here and make it apparent on the outside? That bad habit that won't go away. Are you in the process through prayer and spending time in God's Word and maybe memorizing Scripture and having someone continue to ask you, are you in the process of putting that to death? Are you more and more, day by day, looking like you've been renewed? Are you working out that renewal day by day in your life? God expects us, demands us in one sense, to be part of that renewal process. And so while we may be giving thanks every day, which is good, and we may be seeking to introduce God to other people, which is good, ultimately if our character and our actions don't match up with what God has done with us through Christ Jesus, those things tend to fall flat and make us appear to be hypocritical. And so really our ultimate response to all three of these things, are you living out the mandate that God gave us in Genesis 1? Are you bringing life into your situation? Are you creating order from chaos? Because now, because of what God has done, you have the ability to do that. You have the ability to do that through the power of the Spirit. Sin no longer is master over you. You have the ability through God's Word and through His Spirit to say no and to change. And the question is, are we doing that? Are we growing? Are we maturing in our faith? Or are there still those things that are pulling us down that have been for days or months or weeks or years? And when we say, you know, it really is time to grow up in that area. It's time to move on. It's time to mature in that place. time to take God at His Word. He has rescued me. He has reconciled me. There is peace between me and the Heavenly Father. So therefore, if He's given me that, what would He not give me? Are you willing to step into those bad habits and say, you know what, I'm, I'm done with that, and allow other people to come alongside you and say, you can overcome that through the power of His Spirit and through prayer. Will we be what He's called us to be? Will we be the image of God for our families and our communities and for this world? Will we be people who bring life from death, ministers of reconciliation, His tools, and bring order from chaos through the relationship we have with God and through one another? Let's pray. God, it is difficult. Sometimes we get into habits and ways of behaving and ways of doing things um, and either fail to realize that we are not looking like you 
or feel so overwhelmed that we can't overcome that sin and won't look like you and have just come to the point where we've stopped trying. God, remind us that you are ever-present, that you are ever-pursuing, that your loving-kindness is everlasting, that your mercies are new every morning. And that today is as good a day as any to begin the process of putting off the old man and putting on the new. God, help us to do that for your glory and for the good of your church. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.